Did you know that experts estimate that the live music industry lost about $9 billion, with a B, in ticket sales during the first six months of the shutdown? And after the shutdown, we've discovered that close to a third of all touring artists and bands just simply didn't make it, and so they're, they packed it in, and they don't plan on getting back out and doing any more touring. So there were a lot of artists and bands who were able to adapt their business model so that they could adjust and you know, make something of it during the pandemic, but there were a lot who did not. And so they've just dropped off the face of the earth and we don't hear from them anymore. So today I want to talk to you about that situation. It's called After the Pandemic, What Happens Next? So let's get started. Welcome to The Music Creators, brought to you by the management agency, better known as TMA. The Music Creators is a podcast for faith-based indie artists who want to excel and become successful in the music business as touring artists or bands. And it's also a podcast for worship leaders and their team members who'd like a better understanding of the biblical basis for worship. You can't be successful in leading if you don't know how it all began and how the Bible provides a roadmap for great worship in today's church. Join us as we explore how these two courses intercept along the way. Now, here's your host, Gary Stripling. I wanted to share with you a little story. Um, It's one of those, where were you when this happened type things. In March of 2020, we were planning to release one of our artists' new record. We had planned a lot of marketing behind it, put in a lot of money for radio and marketing, and we had scheduled uh, a release weekend. So she was up in Ohio, and so I was going to fly up there uh, with my wife and do the whole weekend with them. And uh, we were doing a, a CD signing on, on Friday, and then we had rehearsals on Saturday, and then Saturday night was a big, big event where uh, it was uh, you know catered food and dessert, uh, co- live concert with her band, of course, lots of merch to sell and, and whatnot. So it was going to be a great weekend. And then, then uh, my wife and I would fly home on Sunday afternoon. So about Thursday afternoon, things started happening with this thing called COVID. And nobody really knew what it was or what was coming and what to do about it. So we watched the news as closely as we could, as everybody else did. And uh, because of some medical issues that I deal with, I had to ch- check with my uh, cardiologist and uh, ask him if I could be okay, if it's okay if I fly that weekend. He immediately texted me back and said, do not fly. Three words, all caps. And I'm like, okay, he's serious about this. So on the, on the uh, recommendation of my doctor, I canceled my flight, told the artist and her uh, family that we would not be coming up there, which was just as well because we found out that on Friday afternoon, the uh, bookstore that was planning to do her CD signing basically said, nah, I don't think we can do this now. This thing is happening and we're not, we're not sure what to do about it. And so they canceled the meeting uh, or the, the, the venue space for her to do her CD signing. And so Saturday, the, uh, the caterers were all ready and they were good to go. Um, but uh, the laws and sud- suddenly in Ohio just made it impossible to find a venue to get together anymore for any large gatherings or even medium or small gatherings at any time. So 
they uh, were able to go ahead with dinner and the desserts and the concert. Um, but because of the pandemic, I mean, it was just in its infancy that weekend, pretty, pretty much. Hardly anybody showed up. And so she's got all this catered food and dinner. And they were expecting, you know, 150 to 200 people. And instead, they got about 15, maybe 20 um, for the event Saturday night. So that was a huge bust. Uh, not to mention the fact that touring stopped altogether. We couldn't put her out on the road to do any touring to uh, promote the new record. And so uh, it was just just horrible because everything stopped dead in its tracks. And so we quickly had to learn how to adapt to this new situation where we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't shop anywhere. We couldn't go to any concerts or events. We couldn't even go to church. And so most of us, if not all of us, were, were scratching our heads thinking, okay, what do I do now? My, I, learn, I earn my living by touring as a musician. You know, I, I, get, I get in the studio, I've got a brand new record, and now it's just going to sit there. Uh, in fact, I know two really big bands, very successful uh, groups who had brand new projects uh, and they were ready to go out and tour them. And of course they couldn't. And so those, wait a minute, there's no, there's three of them, three of them that I'm aware of that I really follow and really like and um, no tour. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything. So it was very disappointing to see these groups uh, pack it in and say, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So um, it's funny because a lot of people just had never been in a situation like this. And when you tour as a, as an artist or a band, and that's how you make your income to, to support your family and pay your bills. And all of a sudden that's swept out from under your feet and you have nothing to fall back on. Uh, that's when panic can set in. So we quickly decided, you know, in the music business, we, we watched each other and figure out who was doing what and, and, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, let's do that. Um, and that's when these uh, live Facebook shows started coming online with people that somebody discovered that that was a good way to reach their audience instead of at a live event. I remember really well how when that first started in that spring, there was not enough bandwidth for a lot of these shows to go on because Facebook was, was, was uh, pushing out a lot of shows, a live uh, feed from these folks' homes where they were performing for their audiences. And it was uh, interesting to, to watch how they adapted to that and was able to bring in more bandwidth or provide more bandwidth for all these live shows online. And so those that could do that did. And you either made a, a good go at it and kept in touch with your, your fans and your followers, or you didn't. And so it was uh, interesting to watch which groups did and survived and which groups just didn't adapt. And, you know, they, they're starting from zero this year. And so that's, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is, is how did you adapt during the pandemic or did you, let's put it that way, adapt during the pandemic so that coming into this year, 2022, you're, you're ready to roll. You're ready to rock and roll. You've got your feet on the ground. You've, you've, you didn't lose a whole lot of momentum. The wind is at your back and now you're ready to go with some live shows and get out there and tour. We know a lot of, a lot of folks did that back in the fall. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but I think 2022 is the year where we'll see most of the shows really 
reestablish themselves uh, in live type events. I know many of you, as I have seen, uh, watched, uh, you know, for King and Country doing a live show at an old drive-in movie theater. You know, who knew, right? I used to go to drive-in movie theaters uh, in my hometown in Georgia with my parents, and I was very, very little. My sister and I were very, very young, and we get in the back seat, and of course, mom and dad would be up front, and they put that little speaker on the window, and uh, my sister and I would be in the back seat with our blankets and our pillows, and we'd go to sleep. But these places would be full on a Friday night, but after a while, of course, they became abandoned and no good for anything. Until folks like King and Country and some of the others started to say, hey, this is a wide open field and we're not going to be close to each other. We're social distancing properly by being in our own cars. And so they adapted and didn't lose any momentum during the shutdown for almost two years. Um, and a lot of artists did that same thing. And so it was interesting to watch that pop up as a new type of a show or a performance opportunity for a lot of these artists. But I tell you, the one one thing that separated a lot of folks is some were labeled artists and they had the full backing of the label behind them. And others who were indie artists, those are the primary ones that I work with, they didn't have a backing, a financial backing like uh, a label. Now, keep in mind that the indies that did step out and make something of it during the pandemic, uh, they, they spent a lot of their own personal money because there were no ticket sales. Uh, and I know some some folks did charge a ticket price on Facebook just for you to, to log in and watch their performance on Facebook. But again, these were labeled artists who still had some backing behind them. I'm not saying that the labels funded them during the pandemic because labels lost a lot of money during the whole thing. Um, but I do know that there was some stability behind these artists that they were able to rely on going forward during the pandemic when everything shut down. The indie artists, on the other hand, which would probably be most of you that are listening right now, you just didn't have that kind of backing and, and you didn't know what to do. You didn't know how to adapt. And if you're on your own and you don't have a management team in place or you don't have a booking agent that's that's creative and, and can help you come up with some ways to adapt, then um, you were pretty much stuck. I mean, it's it was bad for a lot of artists. We quickly here at TMA adjusted as best we could to see what was working and what wasn't working. And the first thing we did was I encouraged everybody to schedule live shows on Facebook. And many of them did. I, I sent out, I wrote a blog article that you can find on our main website, themanagementagency.com. But I wrote a blog article on how to, how to do a home concert. You know, how do you prepare for it and what are some of the tips that you need to have uh, in place so that you can uh, get a good sound, especially if you're an acoustic uh, player or even if you're um, a pianist, uh, how to do just a live set without overwhelming the, your audience with just bad mixes of sounds coming out. So yeah, so a lot of our artists did that. The, the point was they stayed in touch with their artists rather than losing them. You can't not communicate with or stay engaged with your audience and your followers, if you're not doing that, then you're going to lose them. And after two years, I mean, you're going to have to start rebuilding your fan base online, whether it's an Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, whatever, YouTube. 
And so you've always got to have something that you're putting out there for, for those folks, your fans and your followers, so that they can stay engaged with you. If you didn't put out any new music during the pandemic, then that was probably the biggest mistake a lot of artists did or made during the pandemic because they were like, you know, it's a pandemic. Nobody's going to shows. I can't even tour this new music. So I'm going to wait till everything settles down and then I'll start releasing this new music. Well, I think that is a mistake. We had artists on our roster that had already prepared music that, you know, it's finished, mixed, mastered in the can, ready to go. They weren't able to tour it. So what did we do? We planned marketing around a single release and we were releasing a single for one artist every six to eight months just so that they could stay out there, you know, keep their presence in the marketplace by being by having a radio release every six to eight months. We would do a music video um, and release that in between the new songs that were coming out on the radio. And of course, these were all with uh, big marketing plans. So it was um, interesting to watch how many of them just kept their same fan base. They may have grown a little bit, but they were, at least they weren't losing people, which is, is good uh, when, when you can't tour, when you can't be out there and, and whatnot. So one tip from that I want to tell you about is regardless of whether we're in a pandemic or what is going on in the world, if you're not able to tour, even if you are able to tour, the main thing that you need to do is to stay in touch with your fans and followers. You need to engage them, engage them almost on a daily basis, but definitely every week. I have some artists on our roster who will remain nameless, who will not post anything on social media. They won't post anything. A hello, how are you on Facebook? Or I'm doing well, or got new music coming out. Nothing. And uh, the same with Instagram and definitely not Twitter. Uh, and then they come to me and they say, well, why am I, why am I, why is my song not doing that well on radio? And I'm like, well, they don't know it's out there because you haven't posted to your Facebook page in a year and a half. And so it's important that the artist be the one to engage with their followers and fans on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. I can do it for you, but it it's a lot better if it comes from you, the artist, rather than your representative. And so I encouraged our folks, look, stay in touch, even if it's a share a scripture verse every week or, or, you know, say something encouraging at the beginning of the week and wish everyone a happy week and a blessed week or whatever. But you have to stay engaged with your audience and with your fan base. And that that even happens now. I mean, it should be happening now as well. It's important that you stay engaged on some level with your fans and those that are following you. If you don't, they will lose interest because they don't feel like you're doing anything. So why should they care? They see you posting things, sharing little bits of scripture or a blessing or a thought, or even just a snippet of new music. You know, hey, here's an acoustic version of a a new song coming out with in in three months. I'm going to give you just a little peek, sneak of it, sneak peek, I guess is the way you say it. And I want you to tell me what you think. So, and then play something for, you know, for 45 seconds. I don't know, but I'm just saying, if you stay engaged with your audience, then I think you're going to be better off if something else, God forbid, happens like a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic. We will pray that that will never happen again. But uh, whether it does or doesn't, even now, you should be staying engaged with your with your folks. That's super important. 
And so another thing that I found that worked really well was the uh, living room concerts. Now, I've got bands that just couldn't put together a living room concert with a full band. You know, they just, you know, you got to bring in your back line. You've got to have good sound and you got to have some, somebody to mix that sound for live broadcast, you know, streaming, streaming broadcast. And um, that's just difficult to do. But I encourage everybody to have an acoustic version of yourself, if you will, you know, have something that you can share that, that may not be the full band with everything, you know, your BGVs and your, you know, your strings and whatnot. It doesn't have to have all that. You can do something as simple as just you and a guitar or in a, even on a piano or a keyboard and film it with your iPhone and then share that live. Or as we come out of the pandemic now, you could share that as a, a sneak peek of something that's coming up soon. Um, but it's super important that you do that. People want to see what you're doing. They want to. They want to say, you know, what what is she doing? Um, how's he How's he staying afloat here since he hasn't toured in a year and a half or eighteen months? And so we want to make sure that we're engaged with those folks. Um, they like to see the inside look. You know, uh, when they watch a video and they see you in your living room, they're like, oh, they have a living room just like I do. You know, <laughs> I know that sounds strange, but. People look at that and they think that, you know, they, they want to see that you're a real person with a real life. And, you know, if a dog runs through the, the scene or a, a kid cries upstairs, then so be it. It just shows your humanity. And that's that's a really good opportunity for you to show that. So uh, and, and the takeaway from that is show your humanity. You know, let people see you in your living room or in your garage or wherever you, you're set up, a basement, wherever you set up to do a live broadcast or a live streaming show. Let them see that so they can better relate to you on some level. I know that touring artists and bands just coming out of the pandemic don't have a lot of money in their coffers to invest in any kind of marketing whatsoever. But I'll tell you what, we work with some great marketing people and uh, they will work with you and put together an affordable package uh, with us with my clients anyway, uh, so that we can get something out there for the audiences to, to say, oh, we heard her record last summer and now she's here again. That's great. And so that's what you always want to do. If you've got something, find some funds somehow so that you can invest in marketing while you're uh, re-emerging, if you will, from uh, the pandemic so that people get to know that you're back out there, that you've got new music and um, you're excited to share that with them. One of the ways that we help our clients is by offering two different fundraising mechanisms, if you will. We do a regular crowdfunding type of uh, program where we can set it up just like uh, some of the GoFundMe type crowdfunding campaigns. And then I also have developed a, a capital fundraising project or campaign where you can target individuals that you know would love to help you get started back on the road again and uh, release some new music after, you know, post-pandemic and whatnot. So we have several different types of fundraising campaigns that we offer to our clients. Those things you hear more about and we go into great depth in them when you do a music management consultation with me. And that is uh, a precursor for joining our roster as a rostered artist with the management agency. 
it's a non-negotiable thing. So if you're interested in setting up a music management consultation, I encourage you to go to the main website, themanagementagency.com and click on the upper right where it says contact TMA. And that'll take you to a page where our form is. I know it looks like a long form, but I want to get as much information from you as I can. So fill that form out. And in the the text block at the bottom, just give me as much information in there. You can write, you can write paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs in there and it'll let you. So, uh, but you fill that out. And when you send it to me, I'm going to reply back to you with another long email. People say I'm a little bit verbose, but I like to provide everything up front so that there are no surprises. But anyway, I'll send you that email so that you can find out how we function and the process we go through uh, before we sign an artist to our roster. So um, I'd love to hear from some of you, some of you hearing this uh, who aren't on our roster, of course, and uh, you never contacted us before. You're not sure. Uh, just as a um, reminder, we only work with faith-based performing artists and bands. We have no secular acts on our roster. And uh, that's the way it's been for 17 years, and that's the way it will continue to be. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Also, you can go to the page at tmamediapodcast.com, and you'll see the latest podcast there at the top, and you can click on that and go to that page and listen to it again, and then make some comments. I would really love to hear some comments from folks. What did you do during the pandemic that worked for you to stay engaged with your audiences? What did you do to to span the gap financially to help you? You know, were you working a full-time job? Did you go back to something that you needed to do in terms of employment for your family? Uh, But, you know, what did you do? And uh, finally, what were the challenges, the main challenges you had for you and your band? Uh, I'd love, or if you're a single artist, of course, for you, but I'd love to hear from you guys. uh, If you'd make some comments down there and let me know what you think. I hope that coming out of the pandemic for the past two and a half years, that 2022 will be just such a great year for a lot of you. I think there's so much that we've gained if we adapted, if we allow God to bring us through the fire, so to speak, and learn a lot about our calling, about how we can serve God's people through music, how we can minister and bless others, all all the more stronger now when you come out of the pandemic. That's what we're hoping for. So another topic, I'm going to do this briefly, and then we're going to close on out today. But one of the challenges we found with indie artists is they try to go back and book or rebook gigs that were previously on the books before everything shut down two years ago. And so you're finding, if you do that, that churches especially are really reticent to, to book an act or to have people come in that they, uh, you know, have to have a guaranteed minimum ticket sales or a love offering with a minimum guaranteed. So churches are, are, are kind of afraid of, of investing or they don't have the budget because their, their income was down too during the pandemic. So it's all the more challenging for everybody at this point, churches, venues, performances, uh, people that are producers who put on live events. It's very challenging to do this as an indie artist and not have any kind of label backing, but you can still plow through the challenges and make sure that you're reconnecting with with some of the folks that you were in connection with before the pandemic happened. 
In fact, I would encourage you to go back through your, quote, little black book, unquote, and contact those people that you initially had plans to schedule a show there at their church or service or whatever, and let them know that you're back out now and you want to uh, reschedule that something that got canceled. And so ask them, what will it take to get this done? Now, keep in mind, they're going to have limited resources. So you've got to be uh, flexible enough to be able to say, well, you know, I'm sorry, that's what we were asking three years ago. And now we definitely can't, we can't get any less than that. You know, you, you can't do that or you just won't be, you won't be on any shows this year. Uh, but you've got to be flexible. I personally do not like pay for play festivals. Uh, but if you've got a lot of extra money around, laying around and you want to do that, go for it. Uh, anything to get yourself out there live in a show or put on the show yourself in your own hometown. Uh, but just keep in mind that finances are tight all the way around from the buyers to the sellers. And you want to be uh, cognizant of the fact that they may not be able to fork out what you previously had requested. And so I like to tell our artists, uh, you know, have three different shows that you can offer them. For instance, you can have a show that's you and an acoustic guitar, two people travel plus a love offering of X amount of dollars with a minimum guarantee. And that's option one. Option two might be you with, you know, a light acoustic band, you know, maybe a keyboardist or a guitarist. So that, you know, four people plus travel plus a minimum guarantee of X amount of dollars. And then option three would be you and the full band. You bring your full band, you bring your BGVs, your singers, whoever, and you put together a big show for them. And you've got to have, of course, different fee schedules for each of those three options. That way, at least gives the buyer an opportunity to see that you're willing to work with them and not just demand what you need, you know, have no flexibility in that. So show a lot of flexibility. And when you're communicating with your buyers, make sure that you offer some options for them so that they can take it back to the powers that be the decision makers in their organization and consider having you come in on some level. So have options, be flexible, you know, make sure that you are ready. If you haven't played together with your band uh, in three years, two years, whatever, you better start scheduling some rehearsal time. Uh, because if you get asked to come out and do a, a summer kickoff weekend or something like that, and you've not played together in two years, you're not going to be well received because it's going to be rusty. Trust me, you can't just pick it up and go with it. You need to be rehearsing your band uh, right now in anticipation of booking some gigs coming up in the next, you know, in the next six to eight months coming into the fall months. So that's important that you, you're ready at all times. So I think that's what we're going to wrap up with today. I really appreciate your time and uh, taking the opportunity to listen to these 30 minutes or so. I hope some of these tips are helpful to you. Uh, I would love the opportunity to meet some of you if you're interested in, in, in what we do and how we work with our artists as in a management and development sort of way, fill that format that I mentioned earlier in the broadcast and I'll get right back to you. Also, please make sure you share this podcast with other musician friends of yours, bandmates, other bands, other artists with whom you associate and let them know, hey, there's some good material in here. You might can pull something out that'll be helpful. Share that with them and make sure that, that they subscribe to this podcast wherever they get podcasts from. 
So thank you so much for listening. You guys have a great weekend or whenever you listen to this, have a great rest of your day. And we'll be back soon with another podcast. I am not doing a Friday podcast. In fact, some of the times I'm going to be recording these earlier in the week and we'll release them as they're ready. So uh, if you missed one last week, well, yeah, you missed it last week. Uh, that's because I didn't, I didn't do one last week. So, but you can count on at least having one every seven to 10 days. So make sure that you're aware and you set your uh, notifications to let you know when the music creators is back on the air. So take care guys and let's stay in touch. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Music Creators. Be sure to join us next Friday for the next episode. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. While you are at it, take a moment to leave us a rating and review. This helps other people find out about the show.